0: Got some questions. Got it all. You're feeling stressed, man. Got
1: it all. Put on your GPS and. Got it all. I'll turn the dirt so thin as and download and listen to Tia Candy, Chris, and Kirsten. You should go, go
0: dig a hole. Welcome back to the Go Dig a Hole podcast. This is Chris. In this archive episode, we hear from one of my early peers and role models, Matt Tuttle. Matt ran the blog Anthro Probably as a way to give back to the archaeological community by sharing his experiences. Anthro Probably was a really big influence on me starting Go Dig a Hole and focusing on managing reale- realistic expectations for myself and for my peers as we entered careers in archaeology. And Go Dig a Hole has kind of expanded from there. Uh, this episode originally aired sometime in 2015, so it's been really interesting to revisit the discussion of the archaeology community on social media about five years later. A lot has changed uh, in that regard. Uh, so Matt joins the show to talk about his blog, Probably, the work he was up to at Colonial Jamestown, his experiences in grad school, uh, mentors, and lessons he's picked up along the way. Um, and these conversations really shaped a lot of, uh, the trajectory for go dig a hole for a while after that. So it's, uh, it's been fun to revisit this conversation and, uh, check back in with Matt. Uh, hope to get him back on the show here soon. Hope you all enjoyed these archive episodes as we're going back and, uh, bringing them back out. Um, But we have plenty of new episodes in the works. We've recorded a few. Um, It's just been kind of a lot to keep up with uh, as we're bringing this one back out while we're still facing this pandemic. Um, So I hope everybody is safe out there and hanging in there. Um, If you're able to support the Patreon, uh, please go to patreon.com forward slash go dig a hole. Um, Every contribution helps a lot and um, we've gotten pretty creative with um, producing some new content uh, while we're still in lockdown, but hopefully lockdown will end, um, you know, by the summer or fall and we can have some, uh, some public events, but like I said, we're just going to take it one day at a time and uh, make sure we're all staying safe. Welcome to the 12th episode of the Go Dig a Hole podcast. Uh, I'm here with Matt Tuttle of Anthro Probably, which is an awesome blog. Hello. And uh, Matt, you're at Christopher Newport University in Newport News, Virginia, and you've been leading a field school there, right?
1: Well, we have been, uh, every spring, uh, recently and, uh, worked with some of the students this past summer as well. So I'm actually located in Virginia beach, but, um, do a lot of our digs up there in the peninsula uh-huh. and work with students, uh, at Christopher Newport.
0: Awesome. Well, I guess to give our listeners, uh, some backstory, uh, both of us went to school in North Carolina. You were at, a. You did your undergrad at Wilmington, right? In grad school at ECU?
1: That's right. Yeah. UNC Wilmington for undergrad and then uh, ended up East Carolina for my master's.
0: Yeah. So when I was an undergrad at Appalachian State, my advisor, Tom White, um, was talking to me one day about the CRM and, and just stuff like that. And he had mentioned uh, you and Anthro probably. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And So I checked out Anthro probably, uh, you were super active on the blog and it really inspired me, uh, you know, like your experiences early on in CRM and kind of advice toward mentoring early career archeologists. So it had like a big part in me starting go dig a hole. Cause once I got on my feet, I was like, you know what? I need to give back too, because like, I didn't really do this alone. I had other people who kind of showed me the ropes and so. Thanks for being a a part of my origin story too. So Matt, what uh what got you involved? Like what made you start Anthro probably?
1: Well, that's that's great to hear. I always love to hear stuff like that and um uh, that's that's kind of the reason why I got into doing what I do with Anthro probably was uh you know, after grad school and even when I was finishing up um back around 2009 or so, uh I noticed kind of a a need for an online anthropological community—you um, know, kind of a way for students, former students, uh, people just getting into the field, to uh, to talk and exchange ideas and and to uh, commiserate. Sometimes <laughs> was the case, um, especially back then, right when I was getting out of grad school, the the field, if you'll remember, was was shrinking. Oh yeah. um, the recession was going on full blast, and uh, new people that were getting laid off from museums and uh, you know teaching jobs, things like that, were pretty scarce.
0: Yeah,
1: CRM groups were downsizing at the time as well, so it was a tough time for everybody in the field. But um, you know, kind of noticed that need for a niche online for us. You know, share different updates or news, or you know, talk about job openings or advice, or like you said just kind of making the world a little bit of a smaller
0: place. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, on the last episode I had Bill White and Sonia Hootmacher and they're, they're both longtime CRMers. And we talked about a lot of that struggle around the recession and and how, uh, you know, it hit Bill really hard and it hit me really hard, like right as I was trying to get my foot in the door. So I, I feel like that really contributed to me having a super rocky start, um, getting in is just you know like i didn't have much of a network there in place and i didn't know you know i didn't know where to start and so uh, anthro probably kind of helped me have a realistic idea of what i was getting myself into and then you know once i once i did you know i kind of it was easier and less uh you know i wasn't really flying blind so it was nice to have like a support network online as it were and uh it's been really cool to see like online presence of archaeologists kind of really come together in ways that like i don't know we had never really seen before in the industry
1: right yeah it's uh it's kind of exploded as of late i'd say the last four years or so um yeah. just more and more folks online bigger community um and it's great to see and i think back you know on those early years of doing it probably when I was a lot more active, I, I have kind of gotten lax on the writing and blogging part of things. But uh, when I was really super, you know, devoted to it at the time, uh, it was really good to have, uh, you know, professors and established people in the field welcome me with open, open arms into the community, and you know, was able to get in on on some pretty neat stuff early on, just because there weren't very many of us on Twitter or Facebook or WordPress blogging things yeah. like that. Um, like Julianne Rutherford and uh, Kate Clancy, some uh-huh. of those trailblazers, I remember jumping on with them uh, for a couple of different reasons that anthropologists or archaeologists or both were up in arms, <laughs> and uh, just being able to to come together and have a bigger voice against or for, you know, an institution or a law or some sort of ruling, um, and that was great to to kind of jump in and uh be able to be accepted like that but uh you know creating the the blogs list and kind of doing uh blogs of note things like that on the side you know the networking aspect is uh essential i think nowadays and uh i don't know for whatever reason archaeologists are kind of old curmudgeons i think a lot of, <laughs> and don't want to embrace the technology um or don't really know how yeah uh, it's, it's been good to see everybody kind of come together and doing it.
0: Yeah. It's definitely been really cool to see like networks, networks exist outside of the physical realm. You know, it, I feel like prior to, I don't know, prior to the past four years or so, uh, you've really had to have like your network in, in person face to face. And that was how you, you did business. And that's how you, you know, found out about your next job and, stuff like that. And now it's like, you know, we're tweeting about it. We're sharing Instagram. And like you had said, you're not as active on the, on the blog anymore, but your web presence is still pretty heavy on like Facebook and Instagram and all that. And, uh, so that's still cool to see.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, that's the other thing too, that I've noticed as it's evolved a bit, um, it's become my way to, to kind of sneak into public archeology span a bit too, because yeah. People are interested in what we're doing, and you know, it's it's neat to spark that interest in people who have either never thought about that side of things, or never been out in the field, or dug. And uh, uh, we enjoy doing that. Um, I work for that nonprofit now, uh, the Wheatland Foundation, which Alan Outlaw, a uh, archaeologist here in Hampton Roads, he's been doing his thing here for forty years and change um we have groups come out to the 1611 block house site in jamestown and uh every year we get a number of them and it's people who've never dug before didn't realize you know the history and the depth of things around here but it that's been great too you know just engaging the public and you know snapping some photos here and there of different features or archaeological things we got going on and and uh, people respond And and I think that's important, too. You keep fostering that community or at least, you know, talking to the public about it and and they'll get behind us and they'll help protect sites and realize, you know, that we're not just out there digging around, that there's a process to this thing. And, uh, you know, I think that's an important part of things as well.
0: Yeah. So you've been involved in in archaeology in that region, in the in the. Newport News area for quite some time now right right yeah
1: for about uh let's see about 12 years um I graduated from UNC Wilmington and then you know promptly moved back um to the area here moved to Virginia Beach and got a job uh right out of school at uh, William and Mary's Center for Archaeological Research nice uh, so worked with them and we were doing CRM work Worked there for about a year, and then, you know, as we've all dealt with before, it kind of was in that fallow time where there weren't (laughs) a lot of gigs going on, and I found myself moving back down to North Carolina to get in-state tuition status. Yeah. But yeah, since 2004, 2005, that year, um, I've been working off and on. Um, Around Hampton Roads, you know, historic area. We've got Jamestown and Colonial Williamsburg and Hampton and Norfolk and all these great old places. Uh, So I was happy to be able to come back and kind of jump back into the area that I grew up in and uh, what got me interested in, you know, the field of archaeology to begin with.
0: That's awesome. So, uh, how have you seen, so you, to touch back on the public archaeology aspect of it, how have you seen, uh, like public perceptions change in kind of your longer term projects that you've been working on.
1: Some of the, uh, like the the Blockhouse side, I've been there for uh, this was my fourth year there, um, which has been great. I love the place. Um, it's such a neat, historic and gorgeous place. Um, but I think just people embracing. What we're doing and the idea of it has been the biggest thing. Um, maybe just informing people more about the whole uh, processualism of it yeah. and the uh, mapping and you know, keeping control and why we do the things that we do with stratigraphy and layers and all these things. Um, we've had repeats too. We've had people come and and dig and learn, and then they come back, you know, another year and and take the course or do the field school again. Um so I, I think that's been the coolest thing is just uh realizing that you can make a difference or open people's eyes to something they may not have ever done or not thought about um so that's been a a,
0: a good part of it That is really cool especially to have those kind of attitudes or positive attitudes toward archaeology from people who aren't necessarily professional archaeologists and like uh you were up here a couple weeks ago we were hanging out while you were uh touring the pacific northwest and you had told me a story about how uh when you you were like working out there and a police officer you know at first you know the cops would always be like, what are you doing out here? And then uh, you're like, oh, I'm I'm just doing archaeology. And now it's like they know who you are and they know to like, you know, keep tabs on the site and stuff like that. I think that's pretty awesome.
1: That's been pretty great. Yeah. Um, Alan Outlaw, the guy that I spoke of earlier, um,
0: um, he's a professor there at Christopher
1: Newport. Um, I'm the one I help him do his uh, field schools there. But he's been working in uh, Isle of Wight County here in Virginia for years and years. And he's been working at a historic site called Windsor Castle, which dates uh, right around 1800-ish, the uh, standing structure. But he's been taking the the kids out there to do digs for years. And um, we noticed uh, we were out there for an extended amount of time finishing up one of the field schools a couple years ago. And uh, we'd start to notice, you know, the, the folks were interested in what we're doing. They come around and check it out. And uh, yeah, a couple of times the, the police would stop through and kind of like, are you supposed to be here? You know, are, <laughs> this is private land or, you know, when I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm supposed to be here. And once they met me and, and, and met Alan and uh, it turned into quite the opposite of them. You know, doing more patrols past the, the historic property to make sure no one's out there. You know, we let them know if it's ever on a weekend or after dark or anything like that. And you see someone out here, they're not supposed to be here. So we noticed uh, the community rally behind us and 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 look out for, you know, our heritage, which is great, you know, to instill that on people that it's all of ours to share and protect. Because um, really, we're all we're all trying to be stewards here. Yeah, try to be stewards for the land. And um, yeah, just had a couple of people that uh, came through and said they, they noticed somebody shady around the, the area when we were still digging and they kind of shoot them off. And I, I really appreciate that type of effort.
0: You know, Yeah. I mean, that's really the, the end goal is to have the public take ownership of cultural resources and heritage. So that's really awesome to see at least that goal overall being achieved out there. Right. Matt, could you tell us some of your, uh, I guess, some more of your origin story? Uh, What was undergrad like for you, and you know, what were the early days of your career like?
1: Well, you know, I I started off undergrad at UNCW, and and kind of having an idea of the direction I wanted to head. I knew I wasn't going to be, you know, sitting in a cubicle or wearing a tie for (laughs) a living. Uh, Yes. I knew what it was I was interested in. And of course, we all grew up in love with Indiana Jones movies and and, (laughs) romanticized idea of of archaeology. But uh, once I took my first intro to anthropology class, um, you know, that was it. I kind of just from there, boom, I knew that that was what I was interested in. And then even further, when I started getting into some of the, uh, the prehistoric stuff, and, uh, you know, the bone stuff, then then I was hooked. You know, uh, it was kind of like the more I got into it, the more I was interested. Yeah. So, you know, I, I definitely dove straight in and knew that I wanted to, to do anthropology as my major. And uh, in my third year, decided to go and do uh, a field school with them and was originally slated with uh, Dr. Simmons there at UNCW. He and I <laughs> were uh, supposed to go with. I guess about 10 or 11 other students um, was our group, the field school that year, and we were going to go to Belize. And uh, it got shut down because there was some sort of a civil warring going on in the jungle there between uh, different tribal factions or something like that. And they wouldn't (laughs) let 12 students go out in the middle of it, which I don't blame them. Yeah. Kind of an interesting turn. How I ended up where I did end up. I, I ended up digging with um, Dr. Reber, uh, Dr. Nora Reber, um, and near Cahokia, um, which uh, the place we actually dug in was in Dupo, Illinois. It was the George Reeves site. So this was an emergent Mississippian site. Nice. Uh, basically, the build-up to you know the big, huge urban society there, and uh, these were the folks that were that were first um using not maize anymore but real corn yeah um, they were that had brought it to that area and uh, it was such just a great experience really cool site um still Cahokia is one of my favorite places to go visit try and get back there every year or two to visit and climb monk's mound and yeah. all that good stuff
0: yeah it's one but, of my favorite sites too and i think it's awesome that you got to work there so early on because It was one of those things that when I was an undergrad, hearing about Mississippian mound building cultures, I was like, oh, that's cool, whatever. And it's hard to kind of like get a real sense of perspective on just how immense that civilization and that culture was. And so being able to work in that must've been awesome. Cause I mean, just like I've visited Cahokia a handful of times and I've seen some mound sites out in that region. And once you are, once you're like standing in that landscape you're like oh my god this is i mean it's massive
1: right yeah just the scope of it um one of my favorite tidbits i always
0: tell people that at 1200 ad
1: you know cahokia was bigger than london yeah just to give you an idea massive you know urban populations stratified and you know uh pretty ridiculously uh you know large scope of influence you know they were trading with with folks thousands of miles away and things like that yeah uh, so pretty cool stuff there for sure and um just you know getting in with a lot of the folks that that dug there and learning from people at, at wash you there in st louis we had a couple of great um supervisors that worked with us and helped out and did like our float stuff like that but um yeah, that was, that, that was pretty much it for me. I knew I was going to be getting into archaeology after that field school. Uh, spent the whole summer of 2003 out there, basically. Um, so, yeah, from there, like I said, I had worked at William & Mary. And uh, when things slowed down, um, I, I had planned to go back to Carolina and uh, worked kind of a day job for a while um, and then decided, you know what? I really want to go back for that master's um i had i I had done crm work for a while you know kind of uh archaeological field technician status and um decided that i didn't you know want to necessarily stay at that that level Um, um even though it's a great job and it's a great way to to pay your way through school or pay back loans or you know get your foot in the door um, I decided to go ahead and do the master's, and uh, East Carolina was where one of my supervisors um, at James River Institute, um, or excuse me, no, at, at William & Mary, he worked there, um, he got his master's there, and I kind of saw that as a blueprint, you know, maybe, well, he's a supervisor at, at this great job, he, he now actually works for, for VDOT, and he's one of the higher-ups does their archaeological projects um that's the virginia department transportation yeah um so i kind of saw that as a way you know well if he got this great job and did well from from this masters maybe i should go ahead and do it now was uh, he
0: like was he kind of directly mentoring you or were you just kind of like following in his experiences
1: Right. Yeah. He, he was a supervisor and I would basically bounce ideas off him and ask him and he was an open book, which was great. That um, is awesome. so he, he told me basically how he jumped in and, and how many years of CRM and how, you know, what digs he'd been to. So all of that. So I kind of just, uh, used him as a sounding board and, uh, you know, decided that if it, was good enough for his career that it would work for me <laughs> and um, <laughs> and ECU actually it was a great place to go, go, go. for, uh, for archaeology. Um, they let you kind of choose your own concentration. I also participated in the Museum studies program there oh,
0: awesome
1: during the masters so I you know got a, a good range. Um, and I think right now we still hold the uh, title of having the, the country's most registered professional archaeologist oh wow um so a lot of stuff going on there they've got the whole uh maritime program going on as well they've just been raising up uh the queen anne's revenge blackbeard ship um the cannons and things like that are right off the coast of uh, carolina so there's all sorts of directions you can go if you go to east east carolina for archaeology or anthropology but um you know, that it was a great experience, and uh, I got to work in the library there, um, which is great. You know, you can learn a lot in preservation with old books and things like that
0: as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I guess our next commercial break is going to have to be from uh, ECU's uh, grad program. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, what were some of the really useful courses or experiences that you had along the way Uh, that kind of, you know, helped you keep going?
1: Well, I think uh, a couple of the courses that that I got to take at East Carolina where I could really delve into my specific interests, um, because everybody's taken you know, like New World Archaeology or Old World Archaeology, but if you can really get in, like I took a course that uh, really focused on Southeastern um, archaeology, just regionally and uh being able to do that was was uh, pretty amazing uh you know as yeah. an undergrad you dream of these classes like oh if i could whittle it down to just this and take this class um so that's something that i you know can always recommend with grad school uh among other things that was one of the best things. the other thing that from grad school really was uh learning, learning how to be a better writer i don't know why that just oh probably, yeah that but that was one of the best best uh outcomes of going there um was just really scrutinizing your writing uh, and that helped me grow just as an academic as, as a whole yeah uh, and now that i'm such a grammar nazi <laughs> <laughs> i can attribute that to you know all the writing you're forced to do during grad school yeah um so that's you know that was huge for me i used to kind of also, not be as good in front of groups or or speaking to large audiences and uh you get in there to teach that anthro one o one class with a hundred freshmen, <laughs> you better get over it pretty quickly,
0: yeah, definitely well,
1: that, that was huge too for me coming out of my shell a little bit. I was a little bit more uh uh inward I think before grad school and and not as willing to participate in classroom discussions or uh offer my opinion or things like that, so
0: yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of us as archaeologists tend to be kind of introverted or at least uh, reserved um, when it comes to a lot of, you know, presenting ourselves and presenting our work. So I think it's awesome that you got really pushed out of your shell early on, because I bet that really helped out with your public archaeology, too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the confidence goes a long way. And uh, and I've noticed that as well. You know, I don't know what it is about the field, but... A lot of interesting different types of folks and personalities in archaeology, but a lot of them do tend to be introverted and myself included. Um, So that's another reason why, too, once I was getting out of the field, you may not be able to have, you know, the best face to face conversations or be witty right off the bat or be social, you know, like that. But a lot of folks can do that through, uh, you know, Twitter or facebook or instagram or blogging you know and and i think that's the other cool thing about you know the whole interwebs thing is uh everybody being able to try and be the best them yeah person so that um all of that's been great and yeah absolutely the public archaeology thing um once you you learn how to get over the jitters and learn how to just get your thoughts in order and, and not get flustered. Um, it just comes naturally now. And I really enjoy, you know, talking in front of groups and teaching, you know, these groups of kids and these groups of older folks that come out like the Rhodes scholar program. Um, I'm just at ease with them. And I know they're having fun and they're learning and, and, uh, I think that's what's important.
0: That's awesome. I had a lot of similar experiences too. Like, uh, in grad school, I was, uh, teaching intro to physical anthropology and when i first started doing that i was just like oh boy i've got like 165 students here and it like really rattled me when i would see a student just like zone out or like keep their headphones in in the whole class right, and then after right. a while i was like i i don't care you know like you're paying however thousand dollars to be here like you're just wasting your own time but in conjunction you know i was also picking up side work at, at bars and stuff along the way and so i found that being able to talk about what i was doing in a bar conversation made me a better teacher and it also made me a better you know kind of like public figure figure for archaeology you know if if i can convey these heady you know theoretical topics you know, in a very distilled bar conversation, then I can definitely get a college freshman to understand, I don't know, human evolution or soil science or something like that. Right, right. So Matt, what are some things that early career archaeologists or undergrads you think absolutely must do in order to get into the field and and really, you know, just be on a good track early on?
1: You know, it's going to sound crude, but uh, be a grunt. <laughs> you know, jump into the field, go and get your hands dirty, go work. Um, you know, that's that's basically what you have to do if you want to make it in this field. Is uh, get the experience. So, um, whether it be you know working a few years as a as an underling, a field tech, or just a you know field archaeologist, um, do it. It's great. It's a lot of fun. You know. You learn a lot, and that's the best way to do it, is just hands-on, just seeing the pieces of pottery come out of the ground and being able to recognize what it is or or, you know, learning how to do your STP maps and things like that. um, It's essential, and no one's going to really take you seriously um, either later on or in higher academia until you've gotten some of that under your belt. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it it sounds like... (laughs) I guess it's just kind of cliche, but it's just kind of like stick it out. You know, if if you really want to to make a, a career out of it, um, you've really got to kind of decide you want to do it and go for it. It's, it's not going to make you a lot of money up front. It's going to be a lot of hard work. But I mean, you know, I did years and years of bartending and waiting tables, cooking on the side and doing full time archaeology to yeah. pay the bills. And, yeah, same uh, here. And I think a lot of us, you have to kind of do that, either that or be independently wealthy. I don't know. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, that was a big thing in maybe the the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. You had those like gentlemen archaeologists that you know were independently wealthy and they could just go around the world with their you know whole team of people carrying suitcases and stuff. But that's right. You know, you now, it- nowadays you've got to do like you and I did, and it just like hoof it out in bars and coffee shops and stuff and
1: that's it you know like go go seek help talk to people that have been in the field for a while we're not grumpy angry folks you know we're we're willing most of us um to give you advice or help out or or introduce you to somebody even you know that's big thing i had a a couple of jobs that i've gotten in the field um just from people saying hey i think they're looking for work over here, or hey, you should meet this person um so networking is is key um being open to going out to a bar and have a beer and just chatting and and uh you know all that good stuff, so
0: yeah, definitely uh, definitely a process for sure, yeah, and i I think it's i don't know for me i I had these kind of feelings early on where I was very hesitant to to really seek out mentors cause I felt like, Oh, I'm just going to waste their time. I'm, I'm a beginner, blah, blah, blah. I feel like that's, that's probably unfortunately a very common feeling in archeology, span but if you're in that position, you've got to understand that if you go and approach somebody for opportunities and mentorship, the worst case scenario is they say no, but at least they already know that you're trying, you know? And so you've already done at least one good thing for yourself when you do something like that
1: right right and i think that's important to remember is uh (laughs) at least give it a shot like you say yeah um there in in every field you're going to have your elitists or you know uh your lofty-headed individuals um who don't want to deal with underlings things like that but for the most part uh you very rarely come across that in the field.
0: Yeah, I feel like most of the people I've worked with all want to see other people succeed and thrive and and be developed and some of the best people I've worked with aren't necessarily the most experienced or the most, you know, technically savvy archaeologist, but they're the ones who demonstrate that not only do they have potential, but they're willing to work on their potential and those kind of people are amazing, and they're gonna they're gonna eventually go somewhere with their career too.
1: Right, right, yeah. Stick to itiveness is uh, you know kind of the one of the pillars I think <laughs> um, to keep it going. But uh, but that's it. You know, when it seems tough, when it seems like that contract's not gonna come or that dig's never gonna happen, just keep plugging away, keep talking, keep trying to find yourself a, a job, and uh, it'll come if if you really want it to.
0: Yeah, definitely. And same goes for like your undergrad too, is just, you know, bend your professor's ear, you know, let them know after class, hey, I've got these ideas, you know, use them as a sounding board. Like you had said earlier, you know, you you used people who you you uh wanted to pattern your career after as sounding boards. And I think that in if you're still in college you have so many resources at your disposal that you can just tap into stuff like that. So many sounding boards for careers and, you know, you never know where opportunities are going to come from. So just like seek them out everywhere. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And stay in touch too, you know, um, yeah. make sure you you keep talking to, uh, your, your favorite professors or the, the ones that inspired you. Um, that's another thing that's important I think as well, because it's not that big of a field. There's only so many of us.
0: Yeah, Um, so I think it's (laughs) a stick together, and you know, um, definitely. And uh, like you had said, it's not that big of a field. And you know what's crazy is you'll probably think that you have these circles of archaeology that don't overlap, but I bet you there's at least one point where they overlap. Like I had, I was at the Great Basin Archaeology Conference in Reno last week, right? And leading up to that, I, I had been. Working on uh, getting some contracts for CRM work in Nevada, and I was cc'd on an email to the uh, one of the head archaeologists for the Bureau of Land Management down there, and uh, his name is Brian Hockett. And I saw that name, and I go, Brian Hockett, what is he doing in Nevada? Like I just I hadn't really bothered to keep in touch with him but I had cited this guy probably half a dozen times in my master's thesis on work that he had done on faunal remains in Portugal and he had like co-authored reports with my grad school advisor on work in Portugal and I was like why is he in Nevada and so come to find out he's one of the head archaeologists for the BLM down there and ended up meeting him at the conference and you know I thought oh that you know I had that kind of similar beginners feeling. I was like, you know, I'm new to the Great Basin. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody's going to take me seriously here, but, uh, you know, I ended up having breakfast with him and just like sitting around drinking coffee and eating muffins. And like, we just chatted and caught up. We had worked on the same sites for, for years and stuff like that. And we'd, you know, just missed each other, but it's just crazy how those circles overlapped in really like the least expected way. And, uh, you know, that, that connection that I made though, ended up being really productive for the work that I want to do in Nevada since I'm, you know, just outside of it up here in Oregon.
1: Right. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so good to hear. And, um, you know, even like folks like me, I don't get to go to a lot of conferences or doing things like that, but nowadays you can even, you know, basically teleconference everybody live tweeting, all the uh, presentations and things like that and uh everything trending towards open access um you know it definitely feels like a bigger more accessible field I feel like now than when I kind of got into doing the anthropology thing what seven eight years ago um so I think we're headed in the right direction for sure
0: yeah so on that note uh you know I think that that's a really good point like uh use digital media and social media especially to find find your inroads to archaeology you know like uh people are going to be live tweeting the conference so find the hashtag you know is coming up an easy one's going to be saa2017 right i can guarantee you there's going to be hundreds of archaeologists there and a lot of them are going to be live tweeting whatever session they're in and, you know, that's awesome because even if you're at the SAA meeting in Vancouver, uh, what is it, this April, you can't be in every session at once. So it's nice to kind of, you know, when you're taking a step away to grab coffee or beer or whatever, you know, kind of cruise that hashtag, see what you missed. And, you know, who knows, maybe you'll end up crossing paths with someone that you least expected stuff like that. And definitely don't be afraid to live tweet, you know, it might not be okay to be playing on your phone in class all day, but definitely be on your phone in a conference. Cause you know, you got to stay fast.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And I appreciate everybody who does that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just follow along with the conference here, uh, at my home desk and it's great. That's awesome.
0: Well, Matt, do you have any other, uh, points that you'd like to talk about or good advice? And
1: I think we've we've covered a good bit. I feel like uh I've droned on or <laughs> But no, I think I think we've hit a lot of the the important things that we had talked about touching. So uh yeah, just keep at it. Keep your your trials sharp and uh that's about it.
0: Nice. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Again, check out anthroprobably.com and Matt's on various social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah,
1: anthroprobably on Twitter, on Facebook, um, you know check it out. I'll I'll try and get a little bit better on uh on blogging here coming up.
0: Yeah, I definitely take breaks from my own blog uh quite often. I recently kind of gave up on trying to do the the heady think pieces, you know, the the really meaty ones and uh now I'm just doing like easy ones just like I, last week I put out five books you should read. It's super there you easy. Go. <laughs> and there then you go. yeah, coming up there's going to be uh, you know, Instagram account, archeology, span Instagram accounts. You've, you must be following right now and yours is one of them. So nice. yeah. <laughs> good looking out there. Yeah. Well, thanks Matt. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me.